You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome. This is the Apple Insider Podcast. We are your sole source, your best source, the only source that matters, really, I suppose, for Apple news and other stuff. I'm Victor, and joining me is the source of all knowledge, William Gallagher. Oh, yes. I know absolutely everything, including this. We are William Wisdom Gallagher. That's you. There is no other source for Apple News that people are listening to right this moment. So it's just the, the three of us chatting away. Okay, we know everything. That'll do it. There you go. Wisdom, William Gallagher. All right. William, what is an iPhone SE? It is a dream. It is. No, no, no. It is not. It's a real it phone. Gold. They shipped them in 16 gig and 32 gig models. What is an iPhone SE? It is the precursor to a dream. <laughs> An ideal, a product that might be coming out soon. iPhone SE. Angela has one gorgeous little phone. Every now and again, if she's me to add something to it, uh, I look at it and I think, I like this phone a lot. And so do other people. Yeah. So why did that thing exist? What, what was it trying to do? Uh, Sate the markets that uh, didn't want larger screens um, and arguably mop up a lower cost um push push in the market although was it actually that much lower cost i can't remember now well it it was and not only was it arguably it was it was declared when they announced that thing in like 2011 2012 something like that i don't know it's been a while ago um or or even no it's later than that but but the idea was that this thing existed to serve the low cost market and that if anyone was going to cannibalize themselves, Apple was best at cannibalizing themselves. They should go ahead and sell this. Mm-hmm. And it sold at at very affordable prices. You know, it was it was a one ninety nine dollar device. Wow, kind of I didn't thing. realize that. Oh, okay. Well, that that was not its good. its retail price, but that was the subsidized cost kind of thing. You could walk into anywhere and pick one up for that. And they oh. they subsidized them and blew them out at a hundred bucks. So you could sign up for service, pay a hundred dollars, have an SE and carry on with life kind of thing. And you'd pay a little bit each month for the phone, but it was a great deal. And that was the phone you could do that with, as opposed to, you know, picking up the the regular iPhones that cost significantly more. Do you remember the old days when everything was under contract and nobody had to lay out $1,000 at a time? I miss that. Well, so the American market is such that the problem with those contracts were that you'd agree to pay $299 or $399 up front, and then you'd pay each month for the subsidy on the phone. Mm-hmm. But when you'd paid off the value of the phone, those contracts had you keep paying the same subsidy amount for as long as you had that phone. Whoops. What a terrible so, mistake. Yeah, it was the same so, here, but you could object yeah. and, and have it dropped, and I did. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Right. So what we've changed to is a model where you pay per month, and when the the phone is done, when you've paid off the amount, then your bill drops by that amount. But you don't have to pay up front necessarily. So you know, or, or pay up a lot up front, right? I got this uh, this beautiful iPhone 11, and I paid an upgrade fee, and I paid a uh, the taxes on the thing, which amounted to about sixty or seventy dollars, and uh, and that was really all I had to do. And now I'm paying the thirty-seven a month for it. Is that through your carrier, or is that the it Apple? Is. Oh, right, the 
Uh, and the pricing would be similar through the Apple Upgrade program, although the Upgrade program includes things like Apple Care Plus. But it's 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 works out to be about the same. There's no great program that says it's better through the carrier or not. I now finally own my iPhone XS Max, and I'm who wants them? No, it's ancient technology now. Well, it is, but the iPhone SE is even more ancient. Now, I brought up the SE for a reason. And the reason that I brought it up is that for a long time now, we've heard rumor of there being a new iPhone SE. And the point of that was that some people, like you said, love the small device. Other people really, really like the affordability of the thing. Because it's it's honestly quite a lot to agree to pay out for a big iPhone, a $1,000 iPhone all yeah. the time. You know, my next door neighbor came over with a 6S that was having trouble, and I, I ended up fixing it for him. And he said... I love iPhone. I don't want an Android phone, but I also don't have more than $1,000 to pay for a phone. And I, I said, Joe, his name is Joe. I said, you don't have to worry about that any longer. First of all, the iPhone 11 is $799. And for $799, you know, no, $699, and for $699 or $700, you get 64 gig of storage as opposed to the measly 16 gig that your 6S did. So no matter what, for seven hundred bucks, you're already in way better shape. Okay. But even seven hundred bucks is is a decent amount of money. It's not a thousand, thankfully, but it's but it's decent. And so the idea of an SE two is that you could have an affordable phone that are suitable for people like him on a fixed income, and that you could make it more widespread. Right? That you could also address developing markets. Yes, this will make sense. I mean, there are arguments uh, against doing this. I'm trying to remember what price range Apple currently does because they keep on the eight, don't they? To uh, how much have they lowered the eight? They to? do. They do. Okay, so uh, it felt like they were hitting most of the price points you could think of uh, with the current new range. Uh, but then there are these persistent rumors that there will be a, another one, and you well, think they're true. I, I think there's a lot of reason for them. And and also, you know, Apple, when they make a transition to a new technology, they kind of want to transition away from the old technology as quickly as possible. And developing markets and, and people on fixed incomes don't really want to buy an old brand new phone, right? They don't want the iPhone 8. They would rather have a shiny new thing because there's also a longevity to this. If you buy the thing that's closer to new, it lasts for longer. That's a good point. Yes, true. And true. So there's there's plenty of reason to support an iPhone SE2 that would have, I would think, Face ID. Um, I think that what we've learned is is that Apple believes smaller devices probably don't have as big an addressable market as, as they had in the past. That while there are some holdouts that love them, the vast majority of people like larger phones. Yes, I mean... For financial reasons, I'm looking at the uh, iPhone 11 Pro rather than the Pro Max, uh, but I hesitate uh, because I've, I like the screen size on the Max. I don't like the physical heft uh, of the Max mm -hmm. thing, so I don't know which way to jump yet. Well, the beauty, the beauty of the current iPhone 11 lineup is that there's less disparity between them than there was in years past. There's a different screen. There's different battery lives. And there's the camera difference, but the processing is the same. And that's fantastic.
because that means that the people that buy the affordable phone as I did uh, aren't, aren't buying a significantly lesser phone. Sorry, I didn't realize you, really went for the, uh, you went for the 11, just 11 rather than the 11 red. Pro. Right. Oh, 11 well, there you red. go. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm still on my iPhone XS Max. Yeah. It's all right. So the iPhone SE 2, which we keep trying to get around to here, yes. is also going to have, we believe, the A13 processor, the same one that's in the iPhone 11. We'll have 3 gig of RAM, the same amount of RAM that's rumored to be in the iPhone 11. And that the the form factor would be similar to an iPhone 8-ish. Yeah, you see, now, that, uh, I get the whole lower cost thing, of course. That makes sense. I just, it's the smaller size that I want. And I know, because we, we've even done this on Apple Insider, we've laid out uh, the sizes of everything so you can really compare them. Uh, and there yeah. isn't that much of a difference between the old SE and the 6 and the 8 and all this. But it's enough, I think. Uh, I really mm -hmm. feel it every time I pick up Angela's SE. It's a really nice size. Well, uh, you know, a four-inch yeah. phone compared to a five-inch phone compared to a six-inch phone. There's there's a difference. Yeah, but you and get some of that bezels. screen size. Exactly. Yeah. So the the rumor that we have here is from Ming Chi Kuo, and it says that the iPhone SE two will be focused on the affordability aspect. That it will have that A13 and three gig of RAM. And it's set to appeal to the 100 million people that are still using an iPhone 6 or 6S. Okay. And that these, these types of users are on a limited budget, like we said. They like iOS. They're not interested in multiple cameras. And they're not interested in Face ID. Now, the, the weird conflict for me is that Apple's been running adverts claiming that Face ID is more secure than Touch ID. And so uh, there's sort of this weird position where Apple is shipping something less secure. <laughs> okay. But there we have it. So we've, we've started seeing, this is not the first rumor we've seen. You know, we, we saw some in September, and of course people were talking about it a year ago when, when we were talking about the, uh, the XS. So this is a thing that won't die as a rumor, and, and it just leads you to believe that it probably is in the works especially if we take into account that it takes about two years to make an iPhone, then it, it seems like this is about the right time for this kind of thing to happen. When did Apple manage to get a year ahead of itself then on a two-year manufacturing cycle? Was there a year where they just said, yeah, nothing to show you this time? And secretly, they were readying the next year's one already. Mm, I think... The the I, I don't know that they managed to get a year ahead of themselves. I, I think that you know they've had teams working in parallel. They've had things going on in in the background that always were working at the same time. So while they were working on the first one, they also knew what they wanted the next model to do, and so it's just been this sort of staged two year cycle. No, oh, okay. Well, Apple efficient. I see your point there. Okay. Yeah. Now, I need to go ahead and tell you about something that's happening. I don't know if you're prepared for it. Emotionally or physically? I'm worrying. All of something. the above. All of the above. So, okay. Brace for impact. We talk. Brace for impact. We talk a lot about 
how you do your work, right? We talk about the software you use for things. And I, I got to ask, would you rather be busy or be productive? No. Okay. I'd think about that for a second. Uh, productive, please. <laughs> right. And so that's one of the reasons you use iOS, for example. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And one of the reasons that you use Mac is because you find that you're more productive on those devices, right? But it's not those devices themselves. It's the applications, isn't it? Uh, yes. Uh, okay. Yes, I'd say 99% of the way there, yes. No? All right. So I, I just want to remind our listeners that you can save your time and upgrade the way you work with the right software, and Captera helps you find it fast. You can explore software and narrow down your favorite options in minutes with software guides, comparison tools, and over 1 million user reviews. Start making your work take less work and find the right software for you at captera.com slash Apple Insider. So we've, we've talked a little bit about Captera in the past, right? They are the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business. Yeah. Like I, mean, I just said, you know, go ahead, go ahead. Well, you send a million reviews, but they're reviews by, uh, for want of a better phrase, real people. So people yeah. in business who are using these you know, not to try them out, but actually in anger and as part of their business. I think that makes a, that's the massive difference for them, I think. It is, it is. And, and with over 1 million reviews of products from, like you said, real software users, you can discover everything you need to make an informed decision. And they, they have it across 700 specific categories of software, everything from project management to email marketing to, to yoga studio management software. No matter what kind of software your business needs, Captera makes it easy to discover the right solution. It's it's really something. So, you know, visit captera.com slash Apple Insider for free today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. Captera.com slash Apple Insider. Captera, that's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash Apple Insider. Captera, software selection simplified. You're saying that about a yoga studio reminds me of the old Mac versus PC ads. Do you remember one with PC having a, a calm yogic meditation thing and the yoga instructor pointing out that Vista had just destroyed her business? Uh, so it, mm -hmm. it, you had to yeah. be there, really. But it was it was John Hodgman. Yeah, he played the PC. Oh, yes. And, and, yes. Yeah. Fantastic. It's it's really something. Speaking of of Vista, Microsoft had an event, didn't they? They did. Do you like that transition? That was kind of fun. <laughs> okay. Hey, it worked. You know, I threw you the ball. Hey. You threw it back. This is how it so, works. So what did they release here? What are they talking about doing? Uh, I'm actually not as up on this as I think you are, but I'm conscious that they launched some things for now. Like, is it the Surface Pro? Do they say X or 10? I don't know how they pronounce. I, I don't even know. Isn't that weird? We should know about this uh, for now and uh, prompt ahead to some stuff for next year, like uh, phones and foldable tablets and things like this. Yeah. And actually, oh, and um, earbuds as well. Uh, I think that's it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. they 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 brought us a bunch of things, right? They brought a, they, they said they've got a Surface Laptop 3 in a 13 and 15 inch. And they're, they're trying to make that be a very thin laptop with a really good keyboard, and they emphasized that fact. Okay. Was Who that could a they be at... throwing shade at yeah. there, I wonder? <clears throat> uh, yeah. Um, okay. All right. You don't sound convinced, though. They're trying. Well, I, I, I'm sure it's a lovely little laptop, and I'm sure the keyboard's excellent. 
but you got to run Windows. Oh, that's the point. Okay. It was going so and well. So here's here's the thing about Windows as a touchscreen kind of thing, is that Windows as a touch OS doesn't make any sense to me because it's got all of these non-finger-sized elements. Okay, that's not my first criticism of Windows, but I, I see it, yes. As a touchscreen OS, they've got the, the what used to be called the start bar, but the task bar across the bottom. And if you try and tap on that thing, it is not sized for your finger at all. And so you bring your finger that's really big down to this really small element. It just seems like they keep talking about how great a touch OS it is and then don't do anything to make it a touch OS. Well, it's easier to say it than to do it. So come on. I guess, yeah. I guess. Um uh, they launched Surface Pro 7, which is the familiar tablet with the kickstand and everything else. And Ooh. it's nice. And Surface Pro X, or 10, is uh, an ARM-based Windows 2-in-1. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see if they can make ARM actually happen this time, because they tried once before, you remember? Oh, gosh, ages ago. Surface RT. Oh, RT, Windows RT, Surface RT. And that thing failed because none of the software applications that weren't written by Microsoft would run on it. That, that basically you had to be doing what's called UWP and compiling for, for Surface and for Windows RT and for a phone and all of that stuff to make your stuff work. And so there were tons of applications that people wanted that could not run on it. What's UWP? Uh, forget the exact part of it, but it's basically uh, unified Windows platform stuff where the old days the point of that was they had remember windows phone grief yes i do yes okay so you could write an application and compile it for windows the laptop surface rt and for windows phone and make yeah. it basically write once run both of all of these places okay that Apple is pursuing good. a different path that's kind of the same idea but not exactly where apple's going down this this um Catalyst and then Swift UI path. Oh, okay. Yes, I see the parallels there. Yes. Yeah. And so that's, we just don't know. Can they actually pull it off this time? I kind of want them to be able to because currently we're trapped in this cycle where laptops have to be Intel or, or AMD for that matter. And the idea of ARM has a lot of power savings and, and we've seen it. We've seen iPhones that can outperform MacBook Pros for single-threaded performance. So there's a lot of value in being able to have ARM work properly. It, Apple would have an easier time making that leap than Windows would, but I, I want to see them pull it off just because, gosh, it feels like such an underdog daring move. Microsoft, the underdog daring move. I know, <laughs> I know, but but going with an ARM processor is is certainly out of the ordinary. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, and, and good on them. Yeah. Yes. So... The interesting thing they announced was the Surface Buds. What do you think Surface Buds are, bud? Oh, is that what they're calling the the AirPod knockoff? Sorry, the AirPod. Yes, that's AirPod. <laughs> one of those. Yes. Well done. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, but are these something that you kind of screw them into your ears? That that doesn't well, sound. They're 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 normal in terms of the ear canal shape, with a little rubber uh, cap on them, but yeah. the outside surface is. A, a touch surface, a trackpad. <laughs> okay. And in order to be a trackpad, they're large. 
Oh, okay. All right. So they have I'm an so outside good. large trash surface, and people tap on them to answer calls or tap on them to, to initiate Spotify and control track and volume and stuff like that. They can't I just think that's not the... The way I could ask um, herself, Siri, to answer calls and things. They can't do that. Mm, not sure about that. Okay. I mean, Microsoft has kind of minimized Cortana and what Cortana could do. Uh, that's true. Yes, you, I don't actually even hear that word mentioned a lot these days. I've forgotten about Cortana. It's still yeah. in Windows 10, but it's less about controlling home automation and answering questions the way Siri is and more about just interacting with your computer. Okay. Well, as long as it's happy. Right. Yeah. And so an interesting use for these Surface Buds is that they can translate over 60 languages. And Excuse they're me? also... Yes, they're how? set to be able to... Well, what do you mean, how? Uh, do they have some sort of onboard dictionary system? Are they linked uh, to, I don't know, Google's Translate service somewhere? They are not linked to Google's Translate service. They're Just using their own. Translate and service. the demo that they showed was that they were having someone present a PowerPoint deck and as they were speaking in this other language, it was live subtitling the translation. Okay, and uh, presumably it was a demo. It worked brilliantly, yes? Well, it was a video, so we don't, they don't even know. It could not even... But that's, that's what they're suggesting, is that it's possible to use these as translation, live translation. And I'd like that idea a lot. Now, the yeah. other thing that they said that's interesting and intriguing is that it's integrated with Office 365. And so... They said that you could control a PowerPoint deck with it by voice, oh. or that you could dictate into Word. A word in your ear. Okay, I like and it. And I, there, there's something interesting. You know, we've tried dictation for years, right? 1996, we had IBM Via Voice incorporated into OS2 as an operating system. And then we, when we launched OS10 in 2001, one of the people that Jobs had up on stage at the time was IBM's Via Voice and how Via Voice was working in OS X. So, so we've pursued pen computing with, with things like the Apple Newton and the, um, the ink that was in OS X early days, and voice computing with Via Voice and Dragon Naturally Speaking and Siri and all of these things all the way along. So there's something very, very desirable about being able to dictate and control your office documents. And of course, if that works out more naturally than doing it with Dragon did, then that's only a good thing, isn't it? I guess. Have you tried the new voice control in iPad OS yet? I don't have an iPad that runs iPad OS. All right. My, so I have I one of the original 12.9-inch uh, <laughs> ones that just hangs on. Um, uh, and I haven't used that feature yet, but I keep hearing it's good. I just, I find uh, as much as I use Siri, uh, I mean, excessively at the moment for everything, I when I'm walking around, when I'm working and actually to get something done, I am infinitely faster typing it. Even just the waiting uh, for the dictation to start or whatever slows me down. So I just don't explore them. But I obviously know others who do and love it. And since Dragon is now late and lamented on the Mac, yeah, anything new is good. I mean, first of all, there's an accessibility thing to it, right? Where, where our sure. arthritic hands can't type forever, can they? Yeah, Mechanically, humans are flawed. Say that. Okay, let's not go there. But yes, yes, you're flawed, on. William, deeply. 
but Especially the... that is so far <laughs> away from my biggest flaw. I'll take that one. Yes. <laughs> and, but at the same time, right? So we we have the future of typing is an interesting one right we have talked about how i've i've thought about how um people clawing at their touch screens right have just begun to reach words per minute that's achievable with a traditional qwerty keyboard and it turns out that you are significantly faster if you use two thumbs as opposed to one finger on a touch screen and that swipe can be faster if you trust its accuracy and its accuracy works not always uh but voice can be faster than all of these things. Okay. Can I mean, they? the, the, the traditional there... QWERTY keyboard is kind of a joke, right? Some people think that the arrangement was come upon as a way of avoiding keys jamming on a typewriter. This is yes. not true. You it's do know the origin of the QWERTY keyboard, right? Uh, well, I believed it was that, and having used mechanical typewriters, I, I thoroughly believed it. What are you going to I, tell me? I, I want every one of our listeners to look at a QWERTY keyboard when they get the chance. And look at the top row. What word can you spell using only the top row? Typewriter. But really, uh -huh. yep. you think it was a branding exercise? What, it was a sales exercise. See how quickly you can type? Just type the word typewriter. Oh, I can do that. It's all in that one. Yes. Yes, you can. You can type. I will sell you a typewriter. So why is it QWERTY? Here we are, over a hundred years later. Because, well, come on, spelling out the word typewriter in the top row was a little too on the nose, wasn't it? Okay, so you have a very finely tuned sense of on the nose and not. Uh, <laughs> what about the French with the Azerty? If I had a daughter, I might call her Azerty. She wouldn't like it, but okay. Uh, what happened there? What's French for typewriter? Does that work I'm not certain. as well? I'm not I've sure, but... Okay. But this is how we've arrived at this stuff. And and so I think that voice has a future for certain. I, I think we're on the right track with voice. You know, there's there's still people that rightfully question whether augmented reality is the future and whether visual reality is the future, virtual reality is the future and, and where those things are going, fine. But I think we've, we've sort of settled that vo there is a future for voice and we're still working out what those contexts are while developing what it can do. And, and this yeah. makes sense to me. If you go back 30 years, if you go back 35 years or so and look at IBM PC and Apple II, we were still sort of saying at that time, well, there's a future for this stuff. There are definite applications. Currently, they're Lotus 1, 2, 3 or VisiCalc, right? Yes. And other than that, they're toys for kids to type in programs from magazines. But we, we sort of knew there was something there. And so I, I think we're sort of at that stage for voice, and there is something for voice. There's a use for voice, and we're getting to where that is. Now, if, if it's possible to put bone conduction microphones so that you can whisper to your voice assistant or whisper your dictation and have it work, then we could be doing this in crowded open offices and not disrupting other people. I have three words for you. What? Machine a écrire. It's French for typewriter, mm. and that does not get spelled That's out. That's not on working the on Azerty. We've talked about this often, actually. You're much more pro-voice. I'm not anti-voice. I just, I love my keyboard. Uh, I love all of my keyboards. Yes, um, yes, but you are of an age. Now, if you were a new user, if you were a kid coming up, right? So if you were a kid a few years ago, 
you would be you you would have said iPads have always existed and touchscreens have always existed and touchscreens are are the way forward, right? Is this why you started by saying I was the font of all knowledge? What you actually was code for he's ancient because this is how it's coming across now. <laughs> Only now. Okay, he's slow and ancient. This is just getting better by the inch. Okay. I mean, we just talked about arthritic being a flaw. So, I mean, what, what do you, what do you? No, I was relieved about that. You can't really you be surprised things, now. So. No, yeah, court case is pending, but that's another story. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. All right. So, how in the world do we get on? Is Microsoft and all the things they're doing? They've launched a lot, haven't they? And I don't they have. Honestly they follow have. Microsoft uh, often. But I thought this was an interesting range, and, and you seem to agree? I, I Well, so the price hobbles a little bit, and the look hobbles a little bit, right? It starts at 249 bucks. The Pixel Buds were 149 and the AirPods with the charging case are $199. Mm-hmm. Now, now, they claim, Microsoft claims that the, their earbuds have 24 hours of battery life. So, no, I don't know how long AirPods last... I mean, it's obviously not 24 hours on their own, but then you have the charging case as well. Well, and Microsoft doesn't specify if this is with or without the charging case. Oh, so okay. we don't really know. But but I think the looks are... and Not not that AirPods look fantastic either, right? These little white stalks sticking out of your ears are, are goofy. They are. We've sort of come to accept them because we see them everywhere, and that's fine. But these these big round plugs that Microsoft is selling with are... are yeah, are going to look a little goofy at first. I might be um, pitching something bigger than they actually are, but okay. Yeah. No, no, they're big. They're big. Can Make you get no mistake. A touch tool for Microsoft Earbuds trackpad. There's a market for you. Okay. Hmm. He's just looking so, at me now. Yeah. They they introduced a bunch of these things. I, I think where we're going is a, a place where we are always connected with constant LTE connectivity. Where, where pen computing and where voice computing blend with traditional keyboard computing. And, you know, Apple hasn't really explored that in Mac, but they've definitely been exploring it as opposed in, in terms of Siri and in terms of iPad. And so I, I, it, I think it's just more important that we follow what's going on on the other side of the fence, as it were. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. The good news is that with today's advancements in science, Keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss. And what Keeps is trying to do is they're trying to revolutionize the way that men are treated for hair loss. You know, there used to be a lot of annoying problems around this, right? You have to go to the doctor's office to get a prescription, and then you'd you'd have to go to a pharmacy, and you'd have a waiting room, and and basically, you'd go through all these steps just to try and take care of this one kind of embarrassing problem. Instead, you can visit a doctor online and get medication delivered to your home. There's no more waiting rooms and no more pharmacy checkout lines, and you get doctor attention and discreet drug delivery, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, and why nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just $10 a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com apple insider to receive your first month of treatment for free.
That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Apple Insider. That's right. Go to keeps.com slash Apple Insider and start taking action to prevent hair loss. Apple has removed an app from the App Store. Okay, isn't Apple always removing apps from the App Store? It is, but this is a little interesting. So you're, you're aware that there are protests going on in Hong Kong? Yes. Okay. And you know what? That's over even. Yes. What is it? Complicated. Ackerman, you're going to tell me about Apple's app. Fill me in. What's the sits? Apple's app is what they're protesting about when I thought it was this other thing? No. Not yeah. quite. So in Hong Kong, there are protests, and and there are five demands of the protesters. One is uh, full withdrawal of an extradition bill. The, the proposed bill would have required uh, or allowed courts um, to ask for the accused uh, or alleged criminals to be handed over to the Chinese yeah. legal system. So, so if you committed a crime in Hong Kong, instead of being tried in Hong Kong, which has a more liberal system, you would be tried in China, which is, well, not. Yeah, not so much. Um, that, that bill, that, that demand has been granted, right? That, that uh, the government has declared that extradition bill dead. Uh, second demand was a commission of inquiry into alleged police brutality. So as they've been protesting the bill, the Hong Kong police have been extremely aggressive, uh, punching people, knocking them down, spraying them with blue dye so they can be arrested any time later, um, tear gas, and, and even firing live bullets into the crowd and, and shooting a school child the other day. Um, so they wanted to focus on Apple, removing an Hold app. on, hold on, hold on. We're getting there. Bear with me. So they wanted an independent complaints commission and independent uh, uh, inquiry into that. They wanted a retraction of the classification as protesters as rioters because they are protesting this extradition bill, rioting is a crime that can be punished by up to 10 years in prison. So it's not really in line with what they're thinking they're doing. Uh, Amnesty for arrested protesters, fine. And universal suffrage, because currently only half the seats in the Legislative Council are elected by voters directly. The other 35 seats are from basically corporations. And so they want complete universal suffrage. They want all of the seats to be elected by the people as opposed to by corporations. Fine. Those are their requests. So they had an app, and the app tracked police movements. How? Uh, presumably user reports. Oh, okay. Crowdsourcing rather than the police uniform happening to have eye beacons on. Sorry, I don't know why my mind right, went that right. way, but okay. Yeah, yes. so, so it was an app intended to track police activity on the streets of Hong Kong. And the stated objective was to allow users to avoid areas where protesters and police conflicts could potentially take place. Mm, that sounds good. That's Apple it. has said that the app might be used for evading the police, and uh, the the developers quoted the statement that Apple gave them when the app was removed. It says, your app contains content or facilitates, enables, and encourages an activity that is not legal. Specifically, the app allowed users to evade law enforcement. Um. And, and, of course, the developers comment saying, Apple assume our users are lawbreakers and therefore are evading law enforcement, which is clearly not the case. Okay. Uh, trying to put aside the context here for a bit, are there perhaps laws that Apple has to follow, uh, if not everywhere, then in particular countries that are 
requiring this? I'm not saying they should have taken it out or not. I'm just exploring what, what happened. It's unclear if there are laws requiring that's removal. But I, I want to bring up another example that seems interesting. Are you familiar with the app called Waze, W-A-Z-E? Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. What does that app do? Celebrates Tim Cook Day once a year um, because he advertised them. Yeah, well, Among the many handy. things that it does, it crowdsources police activity and lets other users alert you when there is uh, police activity in your area. I did not know that. Okay. Oh, yes. Um, for speed cameras, for police doing radar, <laughs> for, for traffic stops, for accidents, Waze alerts you. Okay. Um, not not going to say aloud that I'm thinking of swapping to Waze, but okay. Whoops, I just did. Well, right. Waze mm -hmm. works in CarPlay, so you could be uh, you could be forgiven. But it's interesting that that is in the App Store with the very similar functionality. Mm. And this one is is removed. Is Waze still available in Hong Kong? Yes. Okay. Uh, just trying to cover all the bases there. That seems yep. untoward then. What's going to happen next? We don't know. I thought we knew everything. <sighs> well, you're supposed to be the font of all wisdom. How'd this happen? Well, I aged apparently, so, you know. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Okay. Hmm. Troubling yeah. though, isn't it? It is. It is troubling. Amazing to think, though, that this is a type... I'm not saying in this particular case is censorship, but there's a potential for censorship here in a form that would have been inconceivable only 10 years ago. The very concept of an app store being policed in any way was inconceivable. And yet yeah. now it's part of everyday life. It's family. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. It is. William, when, when you buy shirts, are they off the rack or are, are you getting yours bespoke made? Uh, I go to my shirt guy uh, who uh, handcrafts them uh, you got a guy. out of uh, fairy dust and XXL <laughs> fairy dust, to be fair. Uh, yeah. I don't spend a lot of time contemplating shirt buying. It's I need I've got an awful lot of shirts, actually. But when I need a new one, it's uh, nearest place. Does it fit? Gone. Um, last time I bought a shirt, it took me seven minutes from I need a shirt. To I'm wearing the new shirt. I'm possibly not the market you may be hinting at at this time. <laughs> well, I am a little bit more discerning than you, apparently. Eight uh, minutes. Okay. <sighs> not ten. I, Tell me I, it isn't ten. I, I prefer bespoke things that are made to fit me as opposed to buying something off the rack, if I have uh, a choice. And Taylor Store... Is, is a company that agrees with me. They believe in embracing individualism. And they've come up with this new way to purchase clothing that made to order and tailored precisely to my measurements. And so they have these fully customizable dress shirts that start at $59 with endless options to choose from for men and women. And they make it easy to get your measurements. So instead of using a tape measure, you install their app. They're, they're, it's called Size Colon Me or Size Me. And you, you install their app, you put it on the, the sort of the floor at the corner where it joins a wall so it's angled up at you, and you take two pictures. It, it instructs you how to do this. And then from those two photographs, they determine your measurements. Wow. And you place the order for the shirt using those measurements, and 
their generous perfect fit guarantee takes away any risk from ordering. So if it doesn't fit as you would like it to, they remake it for free. And they don't even bother with returns. If, if the shirt doesn't fit and they remake it, you keep the one or give it to charity or, or do whatever you want with it. You know, use it as a, a rag for polishing your car. Who cares? It's, it's, they, they don't bother with the returns. So it's really easy to get the right shirt the right way. They're 100% carbon neutral business, and they're committed to making the world a fairer, better place. So I ordered a shirt, and I, I did this with the app and everything, and it was so cool. It really was. First of all, I like all the options. And second of all, I didn't have to fool with what's my collar size, what's my sleeve length, or any of this stuff. It, it just worked. And they sent me a notice when they were making it with a nice picture of it being on the, uh, the sewing machine. And then I got the shipping notification, and it arrived. It was brilliant. Get started with your very own made-to-measure dress shirt today at taylorstore.com slash appleinsider. New customers get their very first dress shirt starting at only $39. That's 50% off regular pricing, plus free shipping with the code appleinsider. That's taylorstore.com slash appleinsider, promo code Apple Insider. What was the name of the app? Did you say? Uh, it's it's called Size Me, but there's a colon between the words Size and Me. Oh, okay, right. Uh, I may possibly keep talking while I examine. You're uh, you're, you're downloading yeah. the app now, aren't you? Yes. I'm I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm exploring. That's all. Yes. Just <laughs> I've you know. broadened your well. If all we do is broaden one person's horizons with this show, just one, we've done our job. <laughs> Oh, it's telling me I'm so fat. I need to have two iPhones. No, it's not. You, you. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that. Okay, it is actually Nonsense. downloading now. I will examine it later in the privacy. Of that my little own time. ding sound was the the app approving your Face ID purchase. I think that was the one. Yes, that was it. Got, you could right. hear that. Whoops! I could. Okay. Yeah. Now sign in with Apple is an option for for single ID sign on that is being pushed by Apple. And basically, Apple's policy is that any application that uses sign-on with Facebook or sign-on with Google should also or has to also use sign-in with Apple. Yes. And the Open ID Foundation is a foundation that that is very concerned with Open ID, which is this sort of single sign-on approach and identity and security. So the head of their foundation is uh, Nat Sakimura, And he says, we applaud your team's efforts in quickly addressing the critical security and compatibility gaps identified and successfully implementing them while single sign-on with Apple is still in beta. Now users will no longer be limited to where they can use the service, and they have confidence that their security and privacy, they can have confidence in their security and privacy. Furthermore, sign-in with Apple is now interoperable with widely available OpenID Connect-relying party software. Uh, Sakamura concludes by asking Apple to continue working through the issues identified. So they were originally asking for changes um, the, the document calling for those changes has been altered to reflect the, app, the changes that Apple's made, but they're still pointing out a couple of areas of improvement. Uh, they're calling for a discovery document to assist developers in implementation, and they, uh, but, but they applaud Apple's efforts to allow users to log into third-party mobile and, and web applications using Apple ID, using OpenID Connect. So this is, this is good. Mm. So Basically, trying to implement single sign-on is is one of these difficult kinds of things to do well, because you want to protect identity, which Apple sets out to do. You want to be compatible with 
other technologies like the Open ID. You want to be. Um, Oh my goodness! How am I going to say this? How I, I forgot? <laughs> I apologize. Uh, you know, you want to be compatible with OpenID. You want to be uh, threat resistant. And you want to make sure that that you protect privacy and protect against security threats. And so, it's reassuring to see the foundation like this talk about how Apple's corrected problems while well in beta, which is the appropriate time to do it, and uh, is is making this better. Are you going to use single sign-in with Apple everywhere well, it's, just, it's presented? Actually, at that moment, what I was thinking was, I haven't seen it anywhere uh, yet. I'm just thinking, because mm -hmm. I've already signed in to lots of places that do this. Uh, yeah, I would use that. I, I'm always uncomfortable using sign-in with Facebook and things, and yet I do it because of the, the sheer convenience. How dare you? I'm sorry. I can only apologize. Okay. Yes. You don't sign in with Google then? No, I find Google a real pain. I know, I think it's whichever one you get to first works for you, but Google, I have multiple Google accounts for different work, and I swear it will assign me into the wrong one sometimes. And yes. then getting it out, and then you think you've signed in, and it says, now you've got to sign in, and, but I'm to the same one. Please just let yeah. me out. And I, I give up and go away. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Well, the good news is that when you start seeing it, you can feel more comfortable using it. So this is only a good thing. Yeah. That's that's all I've got for our show, William. Okay. Well, you've loaded wanna, me up uh, with shirts and uh, the promise <laughs> of a happier life with an iPhone SE 2. So, yeah, that, yes. that's, that's good. That's good. You've Track made me... pads for your ears, yeah. Sure. If only it weren't for my uh, now crippling mortality sense that you've given me, I'd be... <laughs> Yeah, I'd be enjoying this. I was having a lovely time. Okay. Fantastic. Well, William, I hope you'll join us back next week, and I hope all of our listeners will come back next week for more Microsoft Insider Podcast. Where can we find you on the internet? Wondering why you just said Microsoft. That's where you can find me on the internet. Okay. Yes, please. <laughs> I'd like to be back next week. But uh, with, you know, the regular Apple bits, really, because, you know, I... I know nothing about Microsoft, and yeah, it's, it is for once he's trying. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. W. Gallagher on the Twitterverse and William at AppleInsider.com. I'm Victor and VMarks at Twitter. And uh, and what's my email address, William? Possibly Victor at uh, InsultingWilliam.AppleInsider.com. <laughs> uh, there may have been there one go. word wrong there. I'm not sure. That's but. the one. Highly accurate wise as always. We'll be back next week. Thank you everyone for joining us. Bye.